in order to produce a podcast of that quality, you can the work shows that he did mm-hmm. in assembling that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't show here. <laughs> And I'm Nick Smith, and we have good ideas, so you don't have to. Consider this our proposal to you. This is Investors Needed. I would prefer to stay in the city if it's possible, just because of convenience for commute. But I'll be looking like over at Hate, Coal Valley, Inner Sunset, closer to Golden Gate Park, basically. Uh, rent is uh, not reasonable, but the, more reasonable. The barbecue chicken. It was delicious. Yeah, it was delicious rice. <laughs> hey, man. You doing beta breakers this year? Too many weirdos. Yeah, it's, it's just... Marry me if you uh, can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. There it is. Yeah. I forgot to get it out. Have it at the ready. At the ready. I still need to do my, uh, or maybe I'm waiting for you. Maybe I need you out here to give me the impetus to do this. I still need to do my room walking tour of San Francisco. I need to, I need to go to that hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> have, you, have you read Disaster Artist? I have, yeah. The hospital okay, so that does not that exist. It, doesn't yeah, exist. it does not exist. <laughs> and, then it's just, and how mad Tommy got. Yeah. Uh, ended up so bad, she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. You told people where I live. (laughs) Uh, Is that a stretch? Was that? (laughs) That's just pooping a little. Oh, just a little. What the hell is it? Oh, it's a guitar. Okay. (laughs) What the hell is that? What the hell is that? Andrew Bird can sing. Yep. Nice. So th- there, there's uh. So that episode is out there for your show noting, and then there is still an episode of this program that we're ostensibly recording now out there for. Me. Yes. <laughs> is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. No. I ugh, have a busy as shit. This is a behind the scenes look. Yeah, no, I I am painfully aware of the fact that I owe you a lot of work. Mm. Mm. You might not get your residuals if things keep going on like this. <laughs> not my precious residuals. Yeah. I need those thirty-three cents. I don't know. There's there's something about the idea of getting a check my... for, for fifty-eight cents. That's my toothpick money. Time was. Time was. You can get all the toothpicks you need for a year for no more than a nickel. What? So what? What do you think the point was? Where? I mean, look. Ostensibly, once upon a time, you know, as Mr. Burns said, you could go down to the malt shop and get yourself like some bubble gum and a milkshake, and a freaking sandwich and a shoe shine on a nickel, and still have enough left to pay the trolley on the way home. Presumably, at that point in time, you had you know you had your nickels, then you had your pennies. And then you had your your hay pennies or whatever the hell it was below that. At what point did uh, uh, currency policy move in such a direction where they said, you know what, I think we can leave the hay penny behind? Well, I think it was just kind of how America developed a lot more allergies and everybody was getting hay hay fever. Goddamn hay pennies. (laughs) I fear was sneezing from the money. That uh, That was what William Jennings Bryan was on about, right? Yeah. I'm just, uh, I, I'm curious if, if I could, I would like to get a group of anthropologists together and sit down and do some hard calculating and figure out what date exactly it was that the good old days ended. Mm. Like, so that we can know, like, all right, February 3rd, 1962, the good old days ended. Yeah. And I think, for, first of all, define sort of that separation of like what it what constituted the good old days 
and then what was the the precise moment? What was the event that ended it? Because it wasn't the freaking Kennedy assassination. Let's cross that off the list right there. Hell no. We were already go ahead. We were already sinking already ship at that, that point. Already yeah. passed that. So yeah, maybe we need a a sort of uh, a commission, mm-hmm. a committee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of that would. Figure out, like, just do the the hard work. First of all, define mm-hmm. the the parameters of good old days. Yep. Specifically. Mm-hmm. And then, A, figure out when they ended so that we can look and, and get a look at, at decisions that were made and what caused them to exist and what caused mm-hmm. them to end. And so that way, maybe we can get a better idea of bringing back the good old days in America. Yeah, and, and well, I I, I like the the gist of your idea, but I think that we need to, if we're really going to build out this scam, I think we need to go one step further. You know, you, you you touched on it a little bit at the end of your statement. The good old days weren't just always there; they began and then they ended. So presumably there were some bad old days before the good old days, and then there were some old good old days before the bad old days, and then there was some old bad old days before the old good old days. And you see where I'm getting? What what did people? What was the simpler time that people in the uh, people were yearning for in in 1913? Yeah. Uh. I picked that year very specifically because I was like, well, the 20s. There are people probably yearning for a non-jazz age, and. Yeah. You know, the late 19-teens, people were probably yearning for a not-war not time. Not World War One, <laughs> Or influenza epidemic. Or... Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, okay, so 1913, people in 1913 were probably looking back and saying, oh, before that, McKinley came in and screwed everything up. Was McKinley the one that came in and screwed everything up? Uh, was, he the, was he the Jimmy Carter of the turn of the century? <laughs> McKinley, malaise <laughs> forever. <laughs> So you had, well, okay, we, we, we could throw out random dates and, and try to just hit the target with our intellectual darts. But I think that this really does require a more scientific approach. We, we can't just say, oh, it started, you know, in the fourth year of, uh, of Grover Cleveland's term and it ended. We can't do that. So, Which term, first of all? Oh, see, there you go. Additional complexity. Yeah. So we, we need to... Uh, we need to be scientific about this. So maybe we can start off understanding what were the good old days? What mm-hmm. constituted the good old days? Yeah. I feel like... I can't remember... Not, not can't remember the last time I saw. I don't remember ever seeing someone playing banjo on their porch. Um, menacingly? I don't know. I never saw it. Okay, because uh, playing banjo on the porch is not necessarily a sign of the good old days. <laughs> Haven't you seen Deliverance? I have not seen Deliverance. Okay, yeah. Let's, uh, okay, well, again, this is a scientific process. We'll throw out the banjo. Banjo, yeah. the, banjo does not have Clearly, a Clearly, if I'm going to understand what the good old days are, I'm going to yeah. need to sit down and watch Deliverance, so yeah. I'll have to add that. Uh-huh. Um. So, <laughs> I like that you did that into your mug. Got that uh, naturalistic hog echo. Yeah. <laughs> naturalistic hog echo is the name of my brand, brand new cover band. <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> so, banjos are out. Um, the good old days. I mean, presumably everyone had a job. Yeah. Uh, and, and a job that they liked. Mm-hmm. So, that them was the good old days. Um, what else? What else was the good old days? Um, candy costs pocket change. Yep. Uh, you, you could leave your doors unlocked, that's for damn sure. Leave your doors unlocked. Um, you knew the names of the people in your town. You knew the name of your, uh, your mechanic. Yeah. So that's that's the thing is like you, you have to know everybody in the in the in the entire municipality. So 
Yeah. Obviously, if you're living in a like, in order to get that back, in order to if you're living in a bigger place, like if you live in Baltimore, that's you know I don't know how many people live in Baltimore. I'm just gonna throw out six hundred thousand as a ballpark estimate. But so that's gonna you know that's gonna take some studying just in order to maintain your citizenship mm-hmm. in the city, just to stay on top of all those names. Well, he. Mm. It's gonna be. It's 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 gonna take work. It's, it's you can't just just. The good old days aren't just coming. You can't back. just stumble your way back into the yeah. good old days. It's gonna take some hard work. Well, here's what I think we can do. We can work scientifically, as we've been doing, to define what the good old days were and what were the characteristics of them. We can identify the gap between then and now in terms of what have we lost from the good old days, and then. We can build and market and sell a line of products and or services designed to fill that gap. So you've got you know, 600,000 people in the city of Baltimore and you need to know their names. We've got a few tools that can help you do that. Yeah, we need like a Rosetta Stone for that kind of shit. Yeah, or like a really big Rolodex. That sounds awesome. Yeah, like a Rolodex the size of a briefcase? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Hey. Is there other things that we can use Rolodexes for? Because I, I just like the idea of, uh, of rebooting the Rolodex. Okay, let's, uh, let's break this down. So Rolodex, basically just a bunch of paper attached to a central wheel. You spin around, you pull a thing out. So you got contacts, you got recipes. Um, it's not too different from like an a, uh, old recording cylinder, so we could bring back the gramophone. Mm-hmm. Is there some advantage that the Rolodex has over digital technology? Is there some way that some something that we can you it's, know sell it on? It's uh, a c- compatibility. You're never going to have to worry about software updates. You're never going to have to worry about oh, is this contact compatible? Not going to have to worry about that. Yeah. And if somebody sends you their V card for your Rolodex, that's a whole different thing. That's true. That's very true. Um, I think we could, uh, you know, we, we could sell it as a throwback in kind of the way that, well, hell, we sell them at Urban Outfitters because that's where the hipsters go to buy their records. They can go to buy the Rolodexes there too. Maybe we could develop an iPhone case. It has a collapsible Rolodex built oh, into it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so uh, d- does it connect to your iPhone at all, or is it just a case with a lot of paper hanging off of it? Oh, it's a full Rolodex that like collapses out. Like, you like un- unlatch the thing, and like it folds out into a uh, probably a mini, but like an actual Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, with artisanal paper, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, homegrown organic inks. Yes, yes, of course. We'll sell it at, uh, at Urban Outfitters and it'll work out well. Yeah. An- an- another possible tie-in, uh, we've got the Rolodex. I think that America is really ready to once again embrace the all-women's sport of roller derby. And so I think we need to sponsor a team, the Rolodexes. And so, I like that. Yeah, so uh, they'll they'll skate around. Their costumes will be Rolodex themed, uh, not exactly aerodynamic, but looks great. Um, <clears throat> and we can use that to sort of drum up interest because peop- as as millions of people watch roller derby across the country, they'll say, "Hey, what are those? What are they supposed to be?" It'll be like, yeah. "Ah." Side note: something to think about for later. Okay. Um, football's gotten a lot less violent. Yeah. Over the years. We gotta do something about that. What we do is we talk to Vince McMahon and partner with WWE launch a men's roller derby league that is violent as hell. I was really worried that you were gonna say that we should relaunch the XFL. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um Oh, uh so a men's roller derby league. All men, full contact. Um, just have them sign waivers. And yeah, it's good yeah to go. you, you know what you're getting into. Um, it's basically just rollerball. What's wrong with that? Yeah, hey, well, worked out well for James Conn. 
Didn't it? Yeah. Nope. Didn't work out well for anybody. I, I don't know. I didn't see the end. <laughs> I left halfway through. I got a call. I assumed his team won the thing. And well, everybody was happy. By his team, you mean him. And by everyone, you mean everyone else on his team was dead. I didn't actually see any of Rollerball. I was just kind of winging it. Okay. It's a really good movie. Um, but uh, a lot of people end up dead. Except for yeah. James Caan. Um, so, men's roll... Okay, okay, so you got you got the uh, the roller dexes mm-hmm. to bring back the roller decks. And all of this ultimately because we want to get back to the good old days. And what are the things you identify with the good old days? You identify roller deck, Rolo dexes. Uh, men in hats. Mm-hmm. Definitely need to bring back hats. Hey, we need to find a way... To bring back men's hats without it being a, a douchey seduction community thing. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what really frosts my ass about Mad Men. <laughs> I'm sorry. It frosts your ass? It really frosts my ass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I'm getting a weird buzzing in my ear. Oh, that's my laundry. Oh, okay. I was a little worried for a second. Uh, no, so Mad Men decides, oh, we're going we're gonna to be all set in the 60s, and we're going to bring back vintage fashion and bullshit like that. But you know what they do? They set it right at the point in time where men stop wearing hats. Because God forbid that John Hamm cover his beautiful head of hair. It's that, it's that same bullshit Kennedy put us through all over again. Bring back hats. Bring back hats. Bring back hats. I don't think I've ever seen you wear a hat that wasn't a baseball cap. Well, I'm, I'm too embarrassed. I don't want to be the only guy walking around wearing a, uh, a fedora. I look like an asshole. <laughs> well, that's because if you're wearing a fedora, you are an asshole. It's just part of the fedora. But if we, if we all collectively agree that, you know, the fedora is acceptable again, then people... Then how are we supposed to know what an asshole looks like? Mm. That's a good question. There's no, there's no other possible way someone could signal that they're a complete asshole. I can't think of any. I, I still think back to uh, the first Obama inauguration when Bush and Cheney were going out and Obama and Biden were coming in. And I, I still, you know, say, say what you will about Dick Cheney, but it took a lot of courage to sit at that inauguration wearing the largest possible coat that he could find and the largest possible hat that he could find. He looked like a very dour huggy bear. Yeah, I like to think he looked like the penguin, but... <laughs> no, 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 it's not a top hat. Hat's not tall enough. Uh, he still looks like the penguin. He does look like the penguin. He should work with that. He's really... I don't understand why he doesn't own that shit. Yeah. Umbrellas, man. Umbrellas. <laughs> you were almost there. I mean, j- just... It would have done so much for him when he was in office if he had just carried an umbrella everywhere he went. And, like, occasionally he'd be sitting on on the desk in front of him during some, uh, I don't know, some school opening or whatever it is vice presidents do. He'd just be sitting there, and occasionally he would press a button, and a very small sword would poke out the end of it. And be like, oh, oh, didn't mean to do that. And just slowly shove it back in. It would have done wonders for him. But nope. Tried to fight it. Yeah. And therein lies the tragedy of the Bush presidency. Yeah. That never, never embraced it. Yeah. So you, you've got uh, good old days. you got Rolodexes. got hats. What else? Come on, you've listened to more Springsteen than I have. You should know this. Springsteen was not about wearing fucking hats. That's for damn but he sure. But he was about the good old days. He was about the glory days. Before it's Vietnam, a... man. So, okay, so yeah. no Vietnam. Yeah. Let's just cut he, Vietnam he, out altogether. Springsteen, Springsteen glory days and, and the good old days of America that we yearn for are not exactly compatible ideals okay we'll so say. so no springsteen in the new regime is what you're yeah, saying no springsteen's more about leather jacket and a souped up car mm. and well that's... driving across driving across the river with uh with a, a dame hey that's what fonzie was about our happy days the good old days 
Did Fonzie wear a hat? Ah, good point. Good point. He he too was obsessed with his hair. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, Fonzie, you're out. All right. So, uh, the uh, we'll call that the Gary Marshall line. So, the good old days <laughs> before the Gary Marshall line. Okay. So okay. So we we've established that the good old days are pre-Springsteen and pre-Happy Days. They're pre-Kennedy assassination, but also pre-pre-Kennedy assassination because we were going downhill before Kennedy was killed. Pre, got a pre-pre. Yeah, exactly. We got a pre-game the pre-game. We got a pre-game the pre-assassination. So, before Kennedy, um, pause it. Would the good old days include the great depression you, you may say no but wait that was when we fucking appreciated things that's right that's right not ev- not everyone had a job that's true not everyone was well off that's true the country was in terrible shape that's true um so i'm, I'm trying to establish so we, we've established sort of the the forward line like it can't be any later than really the Kennedy election. But what's the, the starting point? Where could the good old days have possibly started? And then we can sort of narrow in from both sides like a pincer maneuver. Hmm, I like that. Mm-hmm. I flank it. Yeah. Um, well, let's look. I mean, are we going to say it began before the beginning of the Great Depression? Is that is that what we're going to say? Well, we, we could. I mean, do, do you think do you think the fact that there was an incredible global economic catastrophe called the Great Depression necessarily precludes that period of time from being included in the good old days? Or do we say it began like with the New Deal? Mm, uh, New Deal was too early in the Depression. There's still a lot of depression left. There's enough depression to go around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know. End of prohibition would have been right around that same period. But like but like a lot of what made that generation so great was the 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 shit they had to go through. Well, yeah, and yeah. the 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 steel of the depression that they were forged in. Uh they no, they were the steel. They were forged in the fire of the depression. I think I know what I'm talking about. Okay. They were forged mean, in the steel. I don't mean to, you're, you're, you're from steel country. I'm not. Uh, I'm from steel country. I don't know. You're from Rochester. They used to have steel. You're from West Virginia. You're from fucking steel country. No, I'm from coal country. <laughs> the rich man made steel. They still root for the Steelers out there. I rest my case. Uh, and not in the part of West Virginia I'm from. Part of West Virginia I'm from... Uh, uh, no, actually, I think it's meth country. No, it's still the Bronze Age there, so we're yeah, for the Bronzers. Exactly. Well, they... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I come from the part of West Virginia where they still worship Crom. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that the Depression necessarily excludes the good old days. Or vice versa. Yeah. I, I'm kind of taken with this idea of the repeal of prohibition. When was that? Thirty-three. Uh, it, it was Roosevelt. Let's see. Which amendment? Which amendment was that? Twenty-two. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Uh, of course, because that's the name of the bar that is right around the corner from me. Don't but, be creepy. But, yeah. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> I googled the 21st amendment and the first thing that came up was that bar um they know you too well do. december 5th 1933 so end of year one of the roosevelt presidency okay mm-hmm. so so we say the good old days started then and then ended for sometime in eisenhower's term yeah probably Say, like, 59. Like, right after that really good batch of jazz records came out in 59. Yeah, yeah. Kind of blue and, uh, um, um, 
You know the one. Uh, time out. Mm-hmm. Ah, Brubeck. Ah, Brubeck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, from the end of Prohibition to the release of Kind of Blue. That's the range that we're working in. Those were the good old days. Yeah. All right. Hmm. So you had you had hats, you had Rolodexes, it good jazz. Yeah, thanks, heroin. Yeah, back in the day. Back when time they, was back when they back when they called it reefer. <laughs> they weren't trying to legalize pot; they were trying to legalize reefer. Time was reefers is how you made jazz. <laughs> That's why it spirals. Okay, so good jazz, hats, Rolodexes, ends sometime before the Kennedy assassination and sometime after the release of Kind of Blue. I think we just kind of use that as our marker. Okay, good. So we need to get back to the point in time when someone could make a Kind of Blue. Yeah. August 17th, 1959. All downhill from there. Was time out before or after? Because it was the same year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, August 17th. Let's try and triangulate yeah. when exactly the good old days ended. Uh, time out is such a good album. Uh, don't give me freaking Time Out magazine. The good old days were well gone when Time Out magazine came out. Hmm. Okay, uh, Time Out was later. Time Out was December 14th, 1959. So... Release of timeout. I mean, we might, yeah, we could say the release of timeout, or just kind of, you know, the end of 1959. The I 50s. prefer, I prefer to be specific and say the release of timeout. Works Af- for me. After that, it was downhill. Works for me. Okay, so got to bring back the age of the jazz masterpiece. Not a jazz age per se. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Err. 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 Um. Uh. So what besides what? reefer? Um war. Yep. There's a lot of war in that time. It's true. Had a really big one and then a couple smaller ones and a cold one. Hmm. All right. So war yeah, the, we had three, but I feel like the presidents. bulk the bulk of the Cold War happened after the good old days. It's true, but there was some good parts. I mean, you had Sputnik during that period. You had yeah. I mean, you you still had you're Korea. Uh, yep, Korea. Um, Soviets going nuclear. You had uh, uh, the JFK float away. What else do I have to say? That was after the good old days. Billy Joel does not get a place in the good old days. <laughs> uh, only the good old days die young. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Billy Joel, John Mellencamp, Bob Seger. Rank them in order of most despicable. Seger, Mellencamp, Joel. Uh, I would probably go... You know, I there's I like a lot more Billy Joel than I like of the other two combined. Yeah, jo- Joel maybe Joel should not be in, in that same list. Jo- Joel's a li- he he's a little he's also a very different kind of musician. He he's he a, he's annoying in a very different kind of way. Yeah, I I don't like what Mellencamp does any more than I like what Seeger does. But doesn't Mellencamp kind of have the farm aid thing going for him at this point? Yeah, but I also, there's... You can't respect a man who called himself Johnny Cougar? I just don't like any of his songs or any of his shtick. Yeah. Alright, so no place for them in either the good old days or the new old days. Oh, hell no. I mean, the, the, the rock and roll in the good old days is very primitive. Yeah. 
Well, I think that raises an interesting point, though. I mean, is is there room for rock and roll in the new good old days? You you could argue that rock and roll was what brought down the good old days. Mm, interesting point. Go on. I mean, I mean, rock and roll came out about came about at the end of the fifty. And the 50s is more of like a thing for teenagers. And as those teenagers grew up to young adults, they ruined America. Yeah. I think, well, I, I think we could go even a step further. It's the concept of teenagers that ended the good old days. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, b- back in the day, you know, you, you were either a kid or you were an adult. There, there wasn't any, any time for this teenager bullshit. Like, the time yeah. you were old enough to... to carry a spade and start shoveling you were in the field exactly nowadays you're a teenager until you're 37 yeah 37 yeah no i think that's i think that's about when being a teenager ends now and it's tragic and it all it started with uh with rock and roll started with uh the the end of great jazz or at least great like the classics of jazz you've still had great jazz since then End of hats. Um, yeah, it all makes sense. And you, you know what? You know what the inciting incident was. Uh, uh oh, I know this one. Hang on. Uh, let's see. I feel uh, maybe it was uh, the day the music died, and then Young America rallied around that and finally put it over the top. I think that's that's one potentially interesting theory. But what I was gonna say is that uh, McCarthy, it was the uh, the night of the enchantment under the sea dance. Ah, oh, of course. In the town of Hill Valley on November fifth, nineteen fifty-five, when Chuck Berry heard that new sound he was looking for. <laughs> so what I'm suggesting. Call me uh, crazy. Oh, 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 oh! I see where this is going, and I like it. We build a time machine. And we go back to November 5th, 1955. And we make sure... we All we have to do is cut the phone line into that high school. Because once that phone line is cut, Chuck can't hear it. Marvin's going to be dialing and dialing and dialing. And Chuck can't hear anything. Rock and roll dead in its tracks. Exactly. Never happened. Rock never happened. Teenagers. No, no longer a thing. Yeah. There we go. Oh, man. At that point, they're not the good old days anymore. They're the good now days because they never end. Yeah. Robert Plant just would have been a skinny little blonde-haired dude with a huge wang. John Lennon just would have been an alcoholic. (laughs) He was anyway. (laughs) Yeah, but no one would have listened to him. Yeah. He, he, all that rock and roll did was turn him into being a, an angry alcoholic that hated everybody, that people loved him. Yeah. Like, that's the only difference is that people loved him. He's still an angry alcoholic that hated everybody. There you go. This is our most curmudgeonly episode yet. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <sighs> all right. So that's how we bring back the good old days. We build a time machine. We go back. We stop Marvin from calling Chuck. I like it. Makes sense. Airtight. So how can we make money? How can we profit off the return of the good old days? That's yeah. Okay, so Uh, we should go into the refrigerator business. (laughs) Go on. Because that's what you did in the good old days. You bought refrigerators. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you think that uh, all of those refrigerators... What else are must... the women supposed to do now that they're not working again? Yeah. Well, and you think of all of those places in the South where uh, you've got refrigerators rusting on lawns. I mean, people didn't buy those refrigerators just to have them rust. They thought they were going to be using them. And then rock and roll killed that. Shame yeah. about that rock and roll. Rust never sleeps. <laughs> Rust never sleeps. <laughs> the Rustafarian. Rust never sleeps. So we need to try to envision 
what this new good old day society is going to look like mm-hmm. with all the changes that have happened in the last 60 years. Well, if there's one thing that I learned from uh, you know, any sort of alternate history novel or film I've ever seen, it's that technological progress will probably move at the same pace, but uh, social progress will be locked in where it was in the good old days. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's something I've learned from science fiction. Yeah. And history. Yep. <laughs> science, uh, it's called science history. It's the history of our future man god you you would fit in so well out here (laughs) no seriously you you could walk into meetups and say shit like that and people would just be throwing throwing seed rounds at you i just realized i am the owl in the word now and if you tell anyone There there has to be a startup out here called Owl. There has to be. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to search for it, and it's going to tell me something about, like, uh, connecting people. Owl. Owl. Oh, God. That's... That can't... If that isn't an app yet, that is is a name of an app if I've ever heard one. Doesn't appear to be taken. All right. Let's talk about Owl. Is there a way that we could soup up the vibration in iPhones to make it hurt. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You you're you're talking brilliance right now. So you remember back when Facebook was a thing? <laughs> and no. Yeah. Anyway, you remember the uh the poke feature on Facebook? Yes. It's and ser- how often the the hacky joke was like, <laughs> what if it was a literal poke or you walk up to one of your Facebook friends in real life and go like, hey, punk. Well, and, and do you remember how intense the, the poke wars would become? when you? I you think you and I had a poke war that went on for like three years. Th- at least three years. And, and it was like the moment that you were poked, you had to get on and poke back. It, it was... I can't think of a, a less... A, a, a conflict that could possibly take up less mental real estate than a poke war. <laughs> but see, because so literally, like, I'm on a website. I'm on anyway. Person poked you, poked back. You click once, and then you can forget about it until it happens again. Yeah, exactly. It's it's training you to scratch an itch that you don't know you have until you scratch it. Um, but what if what if we could do that under this owl umbrella? Yeah. Um, but instead of like a poke, maybe just like a subtle electric shock or a small burn. Or, or we could make this a little more complicated. I, lo- I love it. We have people. It's basically like a, a watered down hit service. Where you have people that have people they want hit, and you have people that will execute these hits mm-hmm. that are prepared, and if like they're in the area to collect a bounty, they get the details on on the person. Then they walk up and slap that person in the face, and then they collect the bounty. I want to take it one step further. Oh, so please do. So exactly what you just said, but. First, they get paid in advance. I want the money up front. Yes, I mean we're we're dealing with uh, with potentially shady people here, so let's make sure that we're we're guarding against. We're talking them. with people who are specifically signing up to perform violent acts for money. Yes, uh, so m- money up front, but so yeah, pay them up. Front. Yeah, you pay, that's just exa- how it goes. Exactly. So if, if, and if you know anything about paying people for violence, you pay them up front. Yeah. I mean, come on. It, it, everybody should know that by now. Well, what we do then is guy gets paid up front, goes to deliver the slap, and after the slap is delivered, the person who's been slapped is like, what the fuck was that about? And then the person, our, our employee, the slapper, tells them, well, you see, this guy 
told me to come and slap you and paid me five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks to do it. If you pay me that right now, I'll go slap him back. That's good. That's good. The re-slap. The re-slap. And once he goes back and slaps the, the original payer, what the hell was that for? I paid you to slap him. Yeah, but he paid me to slap you too. We, we you should have to pay. Going. You should have to pay double for a reslap. Oh, first of all, ooh. Plus transportation. See, I understand. I understand what you're saying with the the paying double thing, but I really think at this early stage of our venture, it's important to to get users on board. So I think a flat. Are you saying you wouldn't pay double for a fucking reslap? I'm, I'm more Somebody concerned. just slapped you in the face. You are in a, a very emotional state. You think you give a shit how much it's going to cost th- for you to hit that motherfucker in the face? I'm thinking more about the uh, the third slap. The slap that comes back from the slap that came back. Does the price double again there? Because my concern is that we'll reach a point very... like The goal is to keep the slapping oh. going indefinitely. You're trying to create a sort of... A perpetual motion machine of violence and profit. Yes. So, so let's say hypothetically, <laughs> the price was twenty dollars for the initial slap. That's the slap. Yeah. And then the price for the return slap could either be twenty dollars again, or it could be forty dollars. So you go back, slap, slap. At that point, you're either sitting on forty dollars paid total or sixty dollars paid total. If the price of the third slap is 40 or above versus the price of the third slap being 20 again, what's the point at which they stop slapping? Because if the price stays flat at 20, then by the fourth slap, you've made more on four slaps than you had on the previous or on the first two slaps. But if the third slap's price keeps going up, there comes a point where they will stop slapping. And ultimately, you're going to to lose the long tail of dollars. Yeah. What's the, we we got to consider churn, is what I'm saying. I, yeah, I agree. That's that's something I think we're going to have to do some market research. Maybe Get some testers yeah. out there. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Maybe we could set up some sort of way to get a discount for the third slap. Mm-hmm. To kind of keep that moving. I, think it's I know good. we I know we have contacts at Groupon that maybe we could take advantage of for that. I think it's good. Well, group slaps is one way to do Ooh. that. <laughs> now do all three. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I like I like the idea of of a discount on the slaps. Like, yes, we say that the price is forty for slap number three, or it's increased slap number three. But for you, we'll give it to you at a discount because that makes them feel like they're getting a deal. And then they'll be like, you know what we do that people fucking love is punch cards. Punch cards. Like, uh, buy like... 11 slaps, get the 12th free. Or maybe a literal punch card. <laughs> buy 11 punches, get the 12th punch free. There you go. I like that. <laughs> the, uh, the official punch card. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So you're. There's or a slap rewards card. program. Slap card. Yeah. Re- yeah. Slap card. For... It it works, man. It does. It's like... When I was when I was in in the uh, uh, navy, it's kind of the same but a little different. The uh, heated uh, uh, roasted bean water uh, racket. Yeah. I uh, literally every day people would ask me uh, for. For punch cards, and we didn't do punch cards, and mm-hmm. everybody's just like, "You gotta do punch cards!" Like, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. Oh, sorry, we don't do punch punch cards, yeah. but like, but we will at Al. Yeah, Al Inc. Yeah, Al Inc. Uh, Al LLC. Yeah. Um. All right, so yeah, this is all booked over. I the think phone. I think Al is a perfect offshoot of Scornco. By the <laughs> <All> way. <right. laughs> yeah. Ow! A Scornco property. A Scornco company. Uh, so we set it up on, on the phone. Uh, you know, we don't employ any of the goons. Uh, they're independent contractors that are mm. using our logistics network to to make the connections. And we, we take our margin from that. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, 
It's Uber for slapping people. <laughs> yes. And it's not Lyft because we don't get any of those fucking pink mustaches involved. If you wear one of those pink mustaches, you deserve to be slapped. Yeah. Maybe maybe we could have a special division for uh, slapping Uber and Lyft drivers. Did you just turn your video off? There we go. Yeah. Man, that um, shit was laggy. Go on. Yeah. Well, m- maybe we... You could have a special uh, program, a division that would maybe give discounted slaps on Uber and Lyft drivers. Just, you know, because... Keep them in line. Yeah, and we'd make the money up on volume easily. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's not a, a system that I use, so I, I don't really understand it. It just seems kind of despicable from everything I hear about it. I I, I use Uber quite a lot in San Francisco uh, for a couple reasons. One, because it is fucking impossible to get a cab in San Francisco. Two, because the public transit system in San Francisco sucks. And three, because I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it's uh I would I would never use Lyft. Ugh. Yeah. I've seen those fuzzy pink mustaches a couple of times and thought like fucking it's, really. Yeah, it's so infuriating. Like who who the fuck do you think you are? That can't be your brand as a company. Yeah. Your your brand can't be Hey, let's put this thing in the world that makes everybody want to punch it in the face. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there anyone Is there anyone who looks at that and says, oh, that's great. Oh, my God, that's so great. I can't wait to see more of those. Yeah. I can't wait till those start showing up on shirts. What do I want ten times more of? <laughs> God. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I feel like it should be like half price or something like that. I'm yeah, yeah. Like drivers. It's uh, it's uh, Al X. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I I really like this this idea. Yeah, I, yeah. It is built on malice and spite, which means it's right in our wheelhouse. Exactly. Ow. Oi. And with bringing back the good old days. Mm-hmm. A lot more violence in the good old days. Mm. Is there a way that we could maybe have a portion of this involve dueling? <laughs> dueling. <sighs> uh, was there a lot of dueling in the 1940s and 50s? Not in that particular good old days. Oh, but in the the, uh, the royal in, good old days. In the older good old days, the early 19th century. Oh, the uh, the good oldie days. The dawn of America. Okay, okay. When we have to worry about Democrats and Republicans because we were too worried about Federalists and Anti-Federalists, yeah, and which was wh- much more important. Yeah, and there wasn't any gridlock because when there was, they just shot each other. Exactly, or caned each Caning. other. Caning. Oh boy, um, uh, canes. Let's invest in uh, quality. Let's just buy like fucking warehouses full of really nice wood. Yeah. to make canes out of. Okay, okay, and then uh, we uh, that forms the backbone of Al Plus. Yeah, or maybe just open like uh like an artisanal lumber yard. This, this is organically grown, hand-fed lumber. Yep. There we go. Fashion those into canes. Give give them to... Uh, cage-free lumber. Cage-free lumber. You can re- really taste the freedom in this lumber. Yeah. Oh, God. 
how the hell can I always... I always forget the details of the caning. It was Sumner and who? Uh, I don't remember. Hmm. It's a shame. It's amazing the things that you learned in history class that you know you should remember, but you don't remember the details of. Here... Sorry to interrupt, but I have a brilliant idea. As part of our launch of Al, yeah. Maybe we send a cane to all 538 members of Congress. Ah. Here you go, boys. Have at it. Yeah. Oh, I like what, what that. What do you what do you think? I love that idea. I love the idea of it like and, like, do this before the new Congress is sworn in. So, like, day one, the new Congress comes to D.C., and you've got all of the newly elected congressmen and senators walking in, and they've got their canes in their hand. But at the same time, you've got the older congressmen and senators sitting there just, like, cane patting against their hands. And so you create this immediate tension from the moment anyone enters any room. Yeah, and you know what? With the all the threat of violence hanging over it, people are gonna fucking legislate their asses off because they're not gonna want to get hit. Yeah, it's uh, it's the way to bust up gridlock. <laughs> bust up that gridlock. No, that's that's good because then uh, the majority has real strength that they can exercise, yeah. and the minority, man, it's time for some filibusting. Yeah. Side note, maybe not send one to Waxman because he'll just eat it. Yes, yes, yes. He'll make a small helm out of it. Hey! Stop gnawing on your cane! There has to be a, uh, a regularly compiled list of ugliest legislators. Uh, <laughs> yes. Go on! Uh, I'm going to see if someone's already filled that vertical. Because uh, if someone hasn't then I think we should. Ugliest maybe legacy. maybe just a, 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 a BuzzFeed-like site that just focuses on American history. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. Radical Marshall endorses view of judicial review. Yeah. What was he wearing? 21 decisions of the Burger Court that'll make you shit your pants. <laughs> Just like portraits of justices and gifs of Aziz Ansari on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. What was Henry Clay thinking? Treat yourself. I, st- I still really think that. Uh, my idea for a Frank Furterberger movie has legs. I got uh All right, please, please. Uh, so the, the, our, our listeners have, have not been clued in to that's true. your your blockbuster movie. Oh idea. yeah, guys, guys, stop stop the presses. We've struck oil. Um. <laughs> so a uh, it's t- a buddy action comedy. I'm in, I'm in. In in the vein of you know 48 hours that that, yes. that kind of thing, uh, Felix Frankfurter, War, excellent Warren Berger. I'm hungry already. Hungry for justice. Yes. So it's it's the story of two Supreme Court justices out to avenge the murder of one of their fellow justices. So, I like the I I like to think that their base of operations is the con- concession stand of a baseball stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do when they're not in session. Yeah, they run. <laughs> when they're not in session, one of uh, Berger runs a concession stand, and Frank Furter is an umpire. <laughs> <laughs> so, by day they're Supreme Court justices. By night they work at Camden Yards. 
Pitch comes in. Frankfurter turns to his clerks. Zero <laughs> <Zero> two. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're investigating the murder of another Supreme Court justice. Yeah, um, they have to. They have to. Yeah, in order to get into the bigs, you have to apply for a writ of certiorari. <laughs> you're, you're you get the deep cuts with us, folks. The entire th- there's there's only two sets. One is Camden Yards, and the other is the Supreme Court building. This is the most I've used things I've learned in college since I graduated. There you go. Let's keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Uh, so you've got. Uh, so there there was, was it? Uh, I was about to say, was it a Supreme Court justice or an umpire that got murdered? Obviously, they're one and the same. Yeah. Um. And so then they they have to try th- or uh, hear the case where they are both the Supreme Court justices and witnesses to the crime. Wait, so this isn't a movie. This is a this is a friggin' CBS procedural. If I've oh, ever heard one. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Season one, season one, uh, two part finale. Yeah. The Black Sox scandal. Oh, my oh. God. That's brilliant. That has not been done on TV yet. No, it has not. So we got the Black Sox scandal. Uh, Warren Berger and, Fre- and Felix Frankfurter, uh, there. Sure, why not? Uh, they were both alive then. Would have been young men. We're going to treat like the flow and passage of time kind of in a Xena warrior princess way, oh, where it just kind okay. of... Yeah, historical figures pop in and out, and we don't really care about when things yeah. happen. Yeah, a- a- anything that happened prior to Nixon resigning, um, that that's fair game. It all, it, everybody, yeah. It, it, anything that happened prior to the release of Time Out is fair game. There it is. Beautiful. So, uh, Black Sox scandal. Uh, maybe it's not just they were gambling. Maybe they were juicing too. I like it. And uh, Berger and Frankfurter have to conduct a forensic investigation to uh, to unravel the mystery. Yes. <sighs> so good. So good. Hungry. Yeah, hungry. For justice. Then in season two, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor can be nominated for the bench, and they'll all be like, oh, woman! And then it'll be a uh, back and forth where both Berger and Frankfurter are trying to date her, and it'll become grumpy old men. For justice. But Sandra Day O'Connor's name doesn't work at all. Why not? I've never had an O'Connor for lunch. I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> we need to we need to have a, a invent a, a fictitious yeah. female Supreme Court justice who will succeed. Uh, gonna, uh, uh Earl Warren. Let's show what? uh Earl Earl Warren gets bumped off in the season premiere. Well, I was just gonna think of contemporaries. Say, when Scalia retires, he is replaced by, let's call her Claire Philly Cheesesteak. Claire Philly Cheesesteak from, Pit- yep. from Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it becomes a... Uh... Because they, they had been buddy cops, and now there's tension between them. I'm sorry, buddy justices. Mm-hmm. Now there's tension between them. I like it. I like it. So, Hungry for Justice with Berger and Frankfurter. Uh, obviously, we need, we need to cast our two leads, and good casting is important here. Mm-hmm. So, who, uh, who can you see playing the venerable Felix Frankfurter? DeVito. 
DeVito is Frankfurter, really? Yep, of course. Okay. He hasn't done any. He hasn't done like serious stuff in a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's okay. he, God knows. You, I can buy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, DeVito is Frankfurter. I'm on board with that. And then uh, Burger. Let's see. Uh, I'm I'm seeing uh, maybe Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah, so picked up. Christopher Christopher Plummer and Danny DeVito. And hungry for justice. Hungry, hungry for justice. <laughs> I can't believe I ate the whole justice. And then, yeah. And then when we bring in uh, um, Claire Philly cheesesteak, maybe it's an like, Irish name. Yeah, bring in like Allison Janney or something like that. Oh, to draw in the West Wing crowd. Plus the res- rescue from that awful CBS sitcom that she's on. Yeah. She's on a CBS sitcom? Uh, with Anna Ferris, yes. Oh god, she's doing something with Anna Ferris. Yeah, it's 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 kind of gross looking. I never She needs she needs uh, to be pulled out of that. Yeah. I never got I never got the Anna Ferris thing. Yeah, I never did either. It uh, I, I I feel like I it, it it's not of my generation in a way. Yeah. Those kids. Well, I, I, I wasn't a part of whatever that was, yeah. so I can't. I can't. I can't look down on it too much because it's just. It's one of those. It's just not for me. We've spent more than an hour talking about how human civilization really started going downhill after the release of Time Out. I'm not going to try to take the moral high ground now and say, "Oh, I can't look down on things that happened out of my <laughs> generation." generation, generation. <laughs> 